Welcome to the Let's Talk About Love, Sex, and Infidelity podcast with your host, Todd Krieger. Todd has over 35 years of experience working with thousands of couples as a licensed therapist in his private practice. Todd shares his insights on this show. It's never too early to divorce-proof your marriage or too late to heal yourselves and have the relationship you truly want. Hello, everybody. This is Todd Krieger, and today I'm talking to you with the title of my talk called, What is the Non-Sociopathic Cheater Feeling and Experiencing Pre-Discovery and Post-Discovery? Pre and Post-Discovery. Actually, pre and post-discovery, there might be some similar things, but there'll be some differences as well. Now, why did I title it non-sociopathic cheater because it's a big topic and there are many 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 people in the world and i've treated many many people in my practice uh, individuals and couples uh, trying to heal from infidelity and there's reasons why uh, all kinds of reasons why people cheat but of course there are people that truly have sociopathic tendencies they don't have the capacity to show remorse and they really don't care. I'm not talking about those people. And that is a small minority of the people that I've seen in my practice, a very small minority. Most of the people that cheat are not sociopathic. They do care. It's more complicated than that. So the question is, what are they experiencing? What are they experiencing, both before and after discovery? So uh, a lot of what I'm going to tell you is not just stuff from a book it really isn't from a book it's from what i've seen in the thousands of couples i've worked with over these decades uh, and i could tell you that uh, a lot of what they experience may depend on why they're cheating and so let me first talk a little bit about why people might cheat and i've talked about it in other places i'm not going to go into detail for this video uh, for this talk podcast whatever this is but um I, I, do, I do want to say that uh, it's always important to state that everything I say does not ever blame the partner for uh, the betrayed partner for uh, the infidelity. Never, ever. It's always the person who betrays choice. They could have done something else probably somewhere along the line, even seek marriage help, which oftentimes they don't do until they get caught and then they go to therapy as opposed to uh, being uh, realizing there's a problem, recognizing they have these urges and then taking care of it before the problem happens. So it's really uh, the total responsibility of that is on the betrayed person. I couldn't say that enough. I'm sorry on the person who did the betrayal. <laughs> Let me say that again. 100% of the responsibility is on the, on the shoulders of the person who cheats. Not any of it. Any of the responsibility is on the person who's betrayed. Now, we live in a complex world. Having said that, could the betrayed partner play a part in creating an environment that leads to the, to the cheating, it would be silly to say no. Everyone's different. Now, sometimes it has very little to do with the marriage or the committed you know, relationship. 
It really may not. It may have much more to do with childhood. If it's due to trauma uh, and uh, a person who, let's say, came from a family where they were constantly abandoned or uh, neglected, and they are now, their brain is wired to expect to have loss in their life, they, they might sabotage this relationship because the partner was loving and caring and giving. And so why they did it was to solve the problem because affairs are attempted solutions of problems, uh, uh, this attempted solutions for problems uh, that the person, the, the affair in this particular case serves the purpose of, well, I'm not going to put my whole heart into this relationship and get abandoned like I was as a child so they could sabotage it, right? So in those cases, their experiences might be different. They, they might experience a lot of anxiety still because not only do they fear abandonment, but now they've done something and expect retribution, which sometimes does happen when they get caught. Um, there, there's, there's, there's a definitely... Uh, experience of maybe some guilt or some shame, maybe even self-hate. When there's a person who in the marriage feels like they have been rejected and neglected sexually or emotionally for a very long time, and they feel very isolated and alone, when they're having an affair pre-discovery, well, they may actually feel some positive feelings, right? They might feel alive again. They might feel they might feel um, accepted, they might feel loved, and they haven't felt that in a long time. I mean, that is something I hear many times. I felt loved and appreciated and accepted. Again, that doesn't blame the spouse, let's say, of the person who cheated on them, uh, but it, it does point to there was something missing in the intimate relationship. So if there was something missing in the parental relationship uh, that and the other person ends up sabotaging it, they're going to have one set of experiences, probably very different because they might even have even more mixed feelings about doing this because their partner was really good to them. But if you came from a, a, a if you're in an um, intimate, committed, um, I'd say, relationship where there's been a lot of neglect or even abuse, you might feel that acceptance and that relief. That might be what uh, the the person, the the, the non sociopathic cheater might feel because they're getting some needs met that weren't met before. Now, to complicate things further, the uh, non-sociopathic cheater may have been also contributing to their part of the relationship patterns that made it very difficult for the portrayed person to meet their needs. The, you know, so those are the kinds of things we need to look at. So we're not pointing figures, we're not doing any of that, but uh, we really want to kind of look more deeply at what, what might have been going on. Uh, before the relationship even started in in the cheater's life, what happened in in, in the relationship, uh, whether uh, you know on on both people's sides that may have contributed to some of the pain that the affair is now an attempted solution to fix. So I have seen people pre you know pre discovery much less than post discovery. I have seen people come to see me. I've been cheating on my partner. I feel terrible. I want to, I want, I don't, I don't like that. I've been doing that. I don't want to be found out and I want to get over it, but I've been uh, experiencing um, just some joy that I hadn't in a while. So there could be a lot of mixed feelings in that and a little excitement, 
uh, regret, remorse, like I said. There's cognitive dissonance, the sense that it's not my values. That's what cognitive dissonance is like. It's not my values. Uh, when, I, when I took my vows, I never imagined me cheating. People don't, most cheaters uh, don't plan for cheating um, early on in their relationship. Uh, the other thing that might be experiencing is this idea of limerence. When you're in a new relationship, everything's passionate and exciting. And a lot of times people have affairs because they don't know any, they've been kind of lazy. Their role models have been lazy. They don't realize that when you're in the honeymoon stage of a relationship, it's all automatically exciting. And then people have children or they, even if they don't have children, but they kind of adapt, they settle in, they become roommates the chemistry changes, and they don't realize that they have to do something to make things happen. So this, uh, this automatic feeling with this new person gives them a sense of what we call limerence, this excitement, this testosterone and dopamine hit that feels so good. It's like a drug. Not realizing though that that eventually ends too. Um, but uh, that's some of the things they feel. Um, now post-discovery, a lot of the same things that uh, a cheater, a non-sociopathic cheater might feel, uh, such as anxiety, cognitive dissonance, um, but uh, might actually now experience some grief. Maybe they may, it, it depends on how uh, long and how connected they were. Some people cheat by having just a bunch of one-night stands that are relatively emotionally meaningless to that person, but sometimes they do develop relationships. And in those cases, uh, post-discovery, if they choose to work on their relationship, which many of my people come to see me really are at least heavily contemplating that, then they're going through some grief about their their uh, their affair partner uh, and, and loss there probably too. And that's not something that hap, hap, that's happening before they got discovered. They don't have to face that pain. Um, they, they might have the anxiety of getting caught. Once they're caught, they don't have the anxiety of getting caught, but they have the grief and loss. They also now have the anxiety of what their partner is going to do is uh, because in most cases they don't want to really lose the relationship with their committed partner or their spouse. So uh, there, there is, there is that there's also self hate, of course, even then, because now it's like, wow, look what I did. Um, the denial of what they can't, the denial is broken through. So they go, I've been caught. It really happened. What have I done to my wife? What have I done to my family? So there's a lot of that kind of anxiety that happens as well. So I mean, basically, I am the last person that would ever minimize the pain of, of being betrayed. It's uh, something I talk about a lot, probably a lot more than talking from the person who, who did the betrayals perspective. But we do want to remember that we're all people and people that cheat have pain and that pain has to be addressed. And um, we have to, if, if, if this person's going to heal and become the kind of person that is going to be more trustworthy, that person has to take a kind of a deep dive into themselves. What was going on? What made them do it? What, what was missing uh, in their childhood and what was missing in the current relationship or in some of the earlier adult relationships they may have had beforehand? Has there been trauma? They need to do a deep dive in that. Uh, it's very, very important, but no doubt people that cheat, have pain, the non-sociopathic variety, have that kind of pain. Sociopathic people are very lonely, but they, they're not experiencing the kind of pain that uh, I experience with most of the cheaters 
the people that have cheated that come into my practice. So uh, we want to uh, honor the pain of the betrayed person, of course, but we also want to recognize that the uh, person who cheated has pain as well. I probably will get comments like, who cares about that? Well, the truth is, again, it, wh what are we looking for? What are we really going for? Are, are we going for revenge? Are we going for just simplistic labels of people? I'm not going for that. I want, I want healing. And in healing, we need depth. And sometimes the pain that people go through, both the betrayed person and the one who did the betrayal, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but that becomes the launching pad for growth, a deeper introspection, and ultimately having healthier ways to solve these emotional deficits and problems that they've had. So they learn how to self-soothe better, regulate themselves without having secrets, and learn how to look to their partner uh, to connect more and have a more open, transparent relationship. So uh, again, that's just a, a little I wanted to say about the experiences of the cheater. And I said a little bit more about how the, um, the, the question of why they do it may have a lot to do with what they're experiencing, uh, pre-discovery, post-discovery. And you know, ultimately, like I said, healing can only happen, whether it's healing within my own self or healing with my partner, um, if we take a really courageous, good look at what's going on, get the help we need if we need it. And most, I think most people really do. Otherwise, it's just easy to go into the same old defensive structures, denial structures. Um, but we really need to break old patterns, fill ourselves up where we've been missing things before, and ultimately feel visible, heard, and be able to solve our problems in a way that honors both people. So that's what I had to say about that. Um, and thank you for listening. This is Todd Krieger, making the world safe for love. That's it for today's episode of Let's Talk About Love, Sex, and Infidelity podcast with your host, Todd Krieger. For free resources and materials, head over to toddkrieger.com. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you.